Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. G'day, everyone. It is Friday afternoon. It's been a wild old week, hasn't it? Welcome back to uh, Osby's Live from our Brangaroo Studios. You've tuned in for the call. 10 stocks picked by you. I put them to our expert panel. We do it all in one hour. Uh, let's get straight into it and welcome the panel today. Adam Dawes from Shoreham Partners. Adam, yeah, good to see you. Absolutely. Great to be here. And Daniel Ortizzi from Lincoln Indicators. Daniel, welcome to you. Great to be here. Uh, Dawsey, big yeah. week on the market, isn't it? More grey hair. <laughs> More grey hair is what I've got at the moment. How are you seeing it? Look, yeah, overall... We, I think the market as well is sort of looking through a lot of this bad stuff. But look, Credit Suisse, SVB Bank, I didn't even know what SVB Bank was uh, <laughs> until a week and a half ago, 16th yeah. largest bank. Now we know what's going on. Credit Suisse, obviously there's some issues there, but the government and the regulators are sorting, starting to sort of stem the control or stop the outflows. And I think that's exactly what they need to do, albeit a little yeah. bit too late. Um, so I'm really seeing, so obviously we've been doing a bit of buying in the banking sector. I think that looks really oh, attractive okay. down here. Certainly CBA, um, we're comfortable. Macquarie, got a little bit, uh, I think there's probably a little bit more downside, but starting mm. to dip my toe into those ones. Uh, you know, so, yeah. So you're, you're seeing it as an opportunity uh, yeah. on the pullback? I think it has to be. Right. I think you have to be. Mm. You, you know, you, you can't just be putting your head in the sand. And yep. we know with these big drawdowns that our banks are actually, albeit they haven't performed over the last 10 years, but when you get yep. these big drawdowns, this is the place to be mm. and this is where you get a lot of your uplift. Okay. So yeah, sort of comfortable with the banks. Comfortable resources been a little bit, uh, a little bit, little bit uh, uneasy with, and we've sort of been sort of you know oil has been giving us a little bit of grief as well. But looking past all of that noise, I think you know 2022 was a bad year for us. Uh, this year is going to be a little bit mixed, but then I think from there we're going to see some mm. you know good two to three, oh. four years worth of return. So I'm on the positive side. Oh, of I things. like your optimism, Dawes. I feel way better. I was starting to get a bit depressed during the week, but <laughs> so, so you, give, give me a pep talk. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, uh, Daniel. How have you seen the week? How, have you seen the markets at the moment? Yeah, similar sentiments there. I think, you know, we're always a little bit more on the cautious side because we are so data driven and a lot of the data hasn't been, you know, very positive. Um, But we navigate it by simply focusing on the company fundamentals. So a lot of the times, you know, in these types of periods, we'll just simply look to hold, you know, higher quality, more defensive businesses. And that doesn't mean, you know, they might be in the top 20. That might mean that they're a smaller cap company, but you know overall their business is more defensive. So companies like Hanson Technologies, Objective Corp, where there's been a bit of a sell down, and we think they're very defensive businesses will continue to grow for a long time. We're seeing opportunity, um, and like Adam said, we're probably starting to rotate away from the more cyclically exposed stocks like resources. So we're we're just trying to focus on 
fundamentally what are the places we want to be oh, in at the moment. That, that's really interesting. All right, let's uh, take a look at the uh, the stocks that you want us to cover in the first half hour of the show. Uh, South 32, ASX, uh, Domino's, Transurban and Alliance Aviation. Good mixture of stocks mm. to get our teeth into there. Uh, stock of the day, I thought we'd take a look at Block, of course, the owner of Afterpay, the old square. Um, Share price down 15%, hitting its lowest level since early November after Hindenburg Research says it holds short positions in the payments firm. That, um, Hindenburg Research is one of those short sellers that puts out a report slagging uh, a company and, and sometimes quite rightly uh, pointing out weaknesses that share prices overvalued. Uh, they, they've got a better investment, better short position that says the share price will go down. So if they can disrupt confidence in the stock, they make money on it. And they say that the company Block has wildly overstated its genuine use accounts and has understated its customer acquisition costs. Block claims the researcher's allegations are factually inaccurate and misleading and uh, will explore legal action. About 5.2% of Block's free flow shares are in short positions. Um, Dorsey, what do you think of, uh, of Block <coughs> and Hindenburg's um yeah. So Hindenburg Accusations, it's it's a very long email and I've got the link for anybody who wants to get access to it, I can give you the re- or send you the report. So right. it, it's very, very long and very, very in-depth and I think that's what shorters want to do. They want to throw as much mud as they can on the wall and then if something sticks, well then it, it, it's going to continue to sort of push the share price lower. So obviously it had a bit of an effect today. One of the big things that they talked about in that shorting report is their cash app business. Now that cash app business is one of those ones that isn't, uh, it's allowing you to transfer funds between people. And um, they're basically saying that that has been used for drug dealers as well as there's oh. an actual- um, So money laundering. Money laundering, stuff. exactly. And so there is, the, um, uh, there is a, a gang out there called Cash App and they were uh, fentanyl drug dealers and, and moving money backwards and forwards okay. through this app. So um, there's a lot of legal represent or legal issues that are going on with the business. Um, acquisition costs, as absolutely, as they said, is, is getting tougher for them because they've obviously gone through the US uh, quite successfully now. And um, Jack Dorsey, obviously, uh, coming out and refuting those claims. So I think overall, um, Probably Hindenburg's probably got some right things in there, so it's certainly a little bit tougher at the moment for them. And certainly uh, overall, um, I think Square or Block is a good business, but it's in the wrong part of the cycle at the moment. So no interest. No interest, because what you want to be doing is you want to be owning this when interest rates have stopped rising and potentially interest rates are falling. So it would be a sell from me. Right, okay. Um, Daniel, what do you think? Um, a couple of the analysts have come out and said, hey, uh, Block, Block's um, uh, response to this has been really shallow. They should have gone more in depth. They should have taken uh, a lot of the allegations head on and explained it rather than say, factually incorrect, we're going to take legal action. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's right. Short reports are always tricky to deal with. Remember, you know, we had the likes of Seek, um, Rural Funds Group, WiseTech, and, you know, those stocks ended up performing quite well. So it's always a bit of a dichotomy, I guess, short-term versus long-term expectations and views. But we'd be similar to view to Adam. I mean, it's not the right time to be owning this stock regardless. Um, The non-profitable tech sector, 
Furthermore, we probably have a few questions on the overall business model. Um, and, you know, they probably made the worst acquisition of the decade and after pay, just given the price they paid. So we probably wouldn't be anywhere near this stock. We'd be happy sellers as well. And like you said, the response to the to the short report was a little bit um, shallow and, and it's kind of just another reason why we wouldn't be there at the moment at all. So we'd be yeah. more than happy to sell this stock. Yeah, yeah. Markets hate uncertainty. I, I think in answer to your question, why didn't they refute them going backwards or, or to sort of those points? If they go back to the, uh, and refute them, that gives the ability for the shorter then to come back again ah. and and tear those right. arguments apart. Right. So the best thing to do is to refute the the claims, but then actually and then shut up. Yeah, and don't give them enough more ammunition to come in and and mm. because then it becomes a, a slinging match of who's right and who's wrong. So I think they're right to be saying we refute the claims, we're going to do legal, and they have to come back on some of the major points, but not giving them all the information because that right. just allows it to yeah, okay. continue to fester. Yeah. All right, let's get into the stocks that you want us to take a look at. Luke wants a view, uh, Adam, on South 32. Now, Luke says, is this a good uh, copper, copper play uh, or um, uh, just a good stock to pick up overall? South 32, of course, uh, the big base metals yeah. um, group that was spun out of BHP as sort of an orphan, yep. but then the orphan made good. <laughs> yeah, uh, look, is it a copper play? Does it have copper? I didn't think it did. Not that I know of. I mean, no. it's got a lot of metals in there. There's yeah. a, there's a lot of metals, but I don't think copper is one no. of them because BHP definitely kept their copper exposure inside of BHP yes. before they uh, moved it away. As I said, obviously we've been sort of a little bit soft on the on the commodities businesses, and South Thirty Two is one of the cheapest commodity stocks in the market. So if you were to look at something more for the coal, uh, nickel, uh, those kinds of businesses, I think certainly something like South Thirty Two is one of those ones that you could look at. Certainly for a copper play, BHP taking over Oz Minerals yeah. is is certainly where I'd like to be uh, for and, that copper exposure. And Samfire is the other absolutely big one Samfire. Also. A couple of warts on it at the moment, but uh, that that is the next biggest capped play in our market. So Samfire would be the number one pick in there. Are I, you a copper fan? Are you absolutely? Are you part of this thematic? 100%. There is going to be a shortage of copper. There's billions of dollars that need to be spent, trillions of dollars that need to be spent to become zero zero emissions by 2030, 2050. And copper is a major component of all of those things. So yeah, the tailwinds are there for it. Um, South 32, I'm going to go keep with our analyst and it's a buy. Um, I think any kind of weakness at these levels, I'm really comfortable with South 32, just on its metrics being very cheap in the sector. Uh, But but if it's a a copper play, BHP? BHP would be your first port and then Samphire definitely next, yeah. Uh, Daniel, what do you think of South 32? Yeah, I've spoken about this on the program. I think it's a marvellous business, one of the best resource stocks out there. Um, we've probably been looking at this a little bit more counter-cyclically. So we took the opportunity around $5 to start selling because the majority of their profits at the moment coming from aluminium, alumina and metallurgical coal and the prices have rebounded. So their second half will be a lot stronger than the first oh. half. But we're just a little bit cautious on you know the medium term outlook on that. 
they actually did make that um, acquisition of Sierra Gorda or an interest in it. So that did give them exposure to copper. And it's an asset okay. that's pretty large in size. Um, and they have the opportunity to invest in pretty significantly. So it does make sense because we know South 32, what they like to do is essentially trade assets um, and, and look for those assets which has investment potential, similar to what they did recently with the Hermosa right. project. So. So you think they'll they'll invest more into copper into the future? That's why they made the play yeah. in there, right? Yeah, absolutely. They'll be expanding that mine's output um, in the coming probably decade. It's a massive operation, right. um, so they'll absolutely be looking to invest in that um, as they kind of wind down more of their their um, coal exposures. Um, really important that I think one thing investors kind of forget about this business is that. When it was spun out, it was compositionally very different. So the biggest divestment they made was that um, South African thermal coal business. It was probably the worst asset you know that we've we've seen for a long time. They actually paid two hundred million dollars to get rid of it. So after that was divested, that was kind of the signal that the stock was you know much higher quality and. Graham Kerr has just been making fantastic management decisions. So it's one that, look, given the price retracement, we'd probably upgrade it to a hold for now, but it's on the watch list if if you see the the kind of fall in resource stocks across the board, one of, one of the first companies we'd be buying. So we're very positive on it, oh, but just good. not right now. Oh, great, good quality stock. Um, uh, Daniel um, Benedict wants a view on ASX, the uh, uh, manager of the, the I could say uh, the owner of the stock exchange <laughs> platform, if you like, and uh, anyone who wants to IPO, you pay all your listing fees to to them. What do you think of the ASX? Yeah, so we're a little bit mixed because you know the company it, it had a really fantastic 2021, 2022 because of the you know the real trading mania and IPO mania and, and low valuation, um, low interest rates created the best time for listing. So they had a fantastic couple of years of performance there, but it's really come back to reality. And you know, I think there's just been clear evidence of mismanagement here. But the stocks kind of retrace all the way back to its, you know, relatively historical earnings multiple of around 25 times. So you can kind of justify it and say it's kind of back in line with its long term average. We know that the company has the potential to grow, you know, mid single digits for a long, long time because it's a monopoly. Um, trading volumes continue to grow. Um, there's always going to be more increased um, scrutiny on their business from the regulators now. So that might be a potential risk, but we still think it's one that's worth holding on to. We probably wouldn't be buyers at this level um, purely because we don't see a clear you know, valuation appeal and the, and the yield is still a bit low. But it's one of these companies that is going to reliably grow for, for a long, long time. So, you know, we think it's well placed, but just probably not too positive on it at the moment, given that that right. fall in, um, in cyclical revenue. But if you're happy to hold it. Yeah, we'd be happy to hold it. Yeah, okay. it's got a good growth potential. Adam? Yeah, I'm, I'm with Daniel on this one. It's definitely a hold. Uh, the income that you receive or the dividends that you receive is, is, is quite good as well. So really comfortable with that dividend yield around about sort of 4%. Uh, 3.6 plus franking credits, so that it's quite good there as well. Um, yeah, to Daniel's point, certainly some of the key takeaways, obviously that chess replacement system that they were looking at was a big failure and yeah. certainly uh, wasn't fantastic for the bottom line of ASX as well. And just talking about those new listings for the period, activity did slow. New listings were down around about 73%. So uh, for the period and second uh, secondary market, so cap raises were also down as well. So revenue is certainly slowing in that space. So you've got to be a little bit careful. And obviously uh, brokerage or, or trans, you know, transitions or transactions are a little bit lower as well. 
I think it's a quality business, a quality company. They've got some mismanagement stuff in there that's they're, they're sort of working through at the moment and timing has been tough for that one, but I'd say it's a hold. Okay, all right. And is there any M&A potential in it? You've got stock exchanges around the world growing. I know yeah. uh, regulators might sort of be a problem with it. It would definitely got, be a problem. You've but got SIBO as a competitor yeah. now. So I like, you know, you, you think that overall we, we're, we're the information flow at the moment or world information is, information is just so fast. Yep. So it would make sense for Singapore, you know, sort of our Asia counterparts to potentially get together to look to be able to trade twenty four seven, and I mean that'd be mm. my perfect job, wouldn't it? Yeah, I could yeah. trade, you know, all day or every day. Um, but so I think, um, you know, we are moving towards more of an Asia style, whereas now um, in Hong Kong they're all digits, like it's one, two, three, four for the for the stocks. We're here in Australia. We're now starting to put numbers inside of our ASX listed codes. Yeah. So we're starting to move towards that. But yeah, it would be the FERB, uh, Foreign Investment Review Board, that would yeah. have a very big issue with a sort of, which I think Singapore yeah, tried, did try a while a, back. A few, few years ago. And yeah, yeah. Uh, got knocked on the head. So yeah, I think it makes sense for mm. these markets to get together. So okay. it would be interesting to see how it goes. Yeah, uh, Daniel Harsha wants a view on Domino's, uh, the big global uh, pizza chain. Harsha says, I'm holding Domino's at 51 bucks a share. Uh, what should I do? Good idea to average down at some point or sell on any rebound? What do you reckon? Yeah, that's a very tough one. I mean, Domino's <laughs> probably had one of the worst reports of the reporting season. So, I mean, it really depends on your own personal situation. So, of course, can't give personal advice on the show here. But this is the way that we'd be thinking about the stock at the moment. So, we know that. Um, in an inflationary environment, you want to be in companies that are able to pass on those costs to customers. And Domino's essentially is a, a franchise model. So they get revenue from the franchisees and they want to be able to essentially be able to recoup their price increases. And they know now, after this recent report, that their price elasticity is, is not very good. So they put up prices and customers said, nah, the cost of delivery is too high. It's putting up the total order basket too much. We're not simply going to order from you anymore. And that caused them a lot of pain in the bottom line. So I think until we see some evidence of either inflationary pressures easing or customers being more receptive to prices, we really wouldn't be able to buy the stock at the moment. It does look cheap when you look at that share price yeah. chart. But remember that, you know, it's still trading on a pretty lofty multiples around 30 something times. And if they're unable to reach that rollout target, um, that, they, that they've kind of reinforced multiple times throughout the year, um, you know, there will be significant downgrades with this stock because that is the core driver of earnings. So I'm still pr pr probably really cautious on this at the moment, probably not one I would be looking to add to. I'd rather see the evidence of recovery and be willing to pay a higher price knowing that that investment is going to be safe rather than, you know, try to catch the falling knife. So really, really cautious on this one. Okay, so, so Harsha got f at 51 bucks. Uh, would you be averaging down or would you be sort of getting out or happy to hold it? Well, our, our methodology probably is when we don't like the stock and we think there's risk, we'd exit so, it. So yep. we probably would have exited on the report. But I think at this point in time, if you're more longer term mindset and you're happy to ride out the volatility, you'd just be holding and right. you'd be waiting for evidence in their report and evidence in the data to support mm. your, you re-entering that stock because yeah. it's not the type of company you want to be buying in a downgrade cycle. And like I mentioned, if they get a downgrade in rollout expectations, 
then the profit line will be impacted so much. So there's yeah, potential yeah. downgrades coming yeah. across the sector. So a lot of, lot of uncertainty. Uh, Adam, yeah. what do you think of Dominic? I'm going to go on the other side of this one. I, I disagree. I think it's a buy. Right. Um, I put my hand up. I personally bought some for the super fund yesterday for my super fund. So um, please right. take that. Uh, you know, I do own some of the stock. So, so yeah. you've got conviction. Full, full disclosure there. Yeah. Um, look, I absolutely agree with all of those. Earnings have been sh- shaken. Uh, there's p- potential there is going to be further downgrades to come. Uh, the, the sales have d- definitely stalled. European margins have definitely come under pressure, which is where they're sort of looking and sort of getting some more growth. But overall, I think it is a very, very good business. And what I'm seeing is if we do see recovery in 2023, what are the first movers potentially after a recession or a soft landing is what yeah. we're calling it at the moment. What are the first movers? It's going to be the home builders. Okay, so they're all there yeah. going to start to move the building materials sector. That's going to start to move. And then it's going to be the consumer discretionary stocks and tech stocks that are going to move next. Mm-hmm. And so market is always forward looking six to 12 months. I think here at sort of 48 bucks, $47 where it is today, I think they've, they've, I think it's fallen enough. I mean, wasn't it 180, $160? So I think, you know, know, yes, it still can be downgraded. I'm happy to, to buy some more if it does get downgraded. But overall, the supply chain efficiencies, I think, have been fixed up now. Um, um, global, It is a global growth opportunity for a business, as well as then potentially you could say it is a little bit defensive in the consumer side of things, low-end pizzas. And yes, they've had to raise their prices and that is obviously what hurt them. But I think overall, I think it's a, it's a good quality yeah. business at a low-end price and I'm comfortable to put a buy and on infl- it. And inflation in that um, food space mm. Is coming down. Yeah, very much so. It? Yeah, um, it's been sort of spiked up by airfares and rents and things like that yeah, at the moment, oil, rather than and... than food input costs. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So, yeah, I, I like the business. I mean, you've got to worry. There's obviously a risk about currency exposure, so you've yeah. got to have sort of that kind of stuff in there. And it and to to Daniel's point, it is a premium valuation. So you, right. again, you've got to be careful. But yeah. Okay. I, I think I looked through You've that. You've got some conviction. Yeah. All right. Ren wants a view, Adam, on Transurban, the big uh, toll road operator uh, here in Australia and offshore as well. Yeah. Um, often seen as the perfect inflation hedge because usually toll roads have inflation built into their prices of use, which you, you don't notice. You just hear the beep as you go through and Fantastic get the bill at the model. end. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they're allowed to raise prices with CPI, but then yep. they're also re- allowed to raise prices outside of CPI as well, and that's been a right. government uh, thing there. So, look, this is a really defensive stock. So if you need to have a balanced portfolio, so not all growth, but not all income, but a balance of income and growth, Transurban definitely sits very nicely in that. So APA, Amcor, Transurban, um, uh, Atlas Arteria Roads, those yep. kinds of businesses that are on the ASX, they're fantastic for that defensiveness in the portfolio. Transurban, I would say, has outperformed the market because it's done nothing yep. and it's held there. So I think it's it's actually done quite well. I really think that uh, Transurban as a business is very well run. 
They know exactly how to build the, or do these road tolls. The government builds them. They come in, buy them for a dollar, uh, and then and work it over that sort of 99-year lease. I'm really comfortable with it. Obviously, you could trade it more around that sort of $12 mark. You right. could probably buy it, and it goes to 12 to 14 and really doesn't do much after that. So I, I really like the story, but I would, would stick a buy on it closer to that $12 mark. Okay. At the moment, it's a hold at 14 Okay. Um, Daniel, yes, tolls are tied to CPI, but also they have a lot of debt, don't they? Uh, a lot of these infrastructure players, so they're getting hit by higher interest rates at the moment. Look, they do, but a lot of their debt is fixed and a lot of the maturities are kind of set. So they, they actively manage their treasury really well. And at the end of the day, you know, this is more of a treasury management business because the way that they are able to generate returns is essentially ensure that the average cost of debt is below the return that they're getting on their toll roads. So treasury management is first and foremost in this business above everything else. Look, I haven't really been a fan of Transurban for quite a while, so I'll probably preface my commentary on that first. And I'd state that, you know, probably a year ago, two years ago when rates were so low, this would have been an attractive investment because these infrastructure-like companies, or this is an infrastructure company, you get decent yield, you know that earnings or cash flows are going to be able to grow, you know, slowly over time, but that will compound with the CPI-linked um, increases, like we've mentioned. But the fact is that, you know, we're investing in, in ordinary equity of a business and the rate of return for investors at the moment is far too low. Hmm. I mean, you're actually probably going to be better off getting a risk adjusted return in the fixed income securities, probably right. averaging around four and a half percent. So I don't really see the value add in investing in Transurban at the moment in the equity structure. To be honest, if you're looking for something safe, you'd probably rather just be yielding in cash at the moment. Um, and if you want to be in equities, you probably want to be in something a little bit more aggressive um, because this does have genuine downside in the business, but the upside isn't as high. So we'd probably be looking okay. to, to park our cash elsewhere. And, and I just find it maybe as an old auditor, uh, find it really hard to get my head around <laughs> that you can pay dividends out of debt. I just, <laughs> uh, I reckon the accounting of these infrastructure things. I oh, know, I just don't get it at times. Well, I think if you look at the books of most companies this reporting season, you'll see that a lot of dividends were paid out of debt this year. Yeah. Um, even one of the companies we, we were holding, Baby Bunting, they had a pretty poor report. Pretty much their whole dividend was covered by the, the increase in borrowings that they were oh, able really? to generate. Because oh, wow. after you deduct the lease expense, which has moved to investing cash yes. flows, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. They, weren't, they weren't bringing any money in. So yeah. you know, you, you'd find that when you do the research, a lot of companies yeah. are... are, are Kind of doing yeah, that, that was another accounting shift only a year or two ago, was it, when leases were, were brought in as uh, a liability yeah, on the balance yeah. sheet? Keeping people honest in their research. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, all right, Daniel, uh, Stacey wants a view on Alliance Aviation. The uh, the airline would have, with a bit of a difference during, during COVID, it was the most profitable airline in the world, was it? Because it mainly focuses on uh, fly in, fly out. Uh, charters with the big mining companies. It's a really unique business. Qantas has a big stake in it, does it? Yeah, I think a few years ago, you know, this is probably one I would have rushed to the side, never even thought about looking at. But what they did during COVID, investing counter-cyclically, I think they acquired something like 32 aircrafts um, and actually released around 18 of those back to Qantas, which is now some of their highest quality revenue stream. I think, you know, management deserve some credit here and they've done a really great job of kind of changing the business because as we know some of the most profitable routes um, in airlines for example like the melbourne to sydney route 
you know, you need the right aircraft, you need the right capabilities, and that's something that they, they added to their basket um, of offerings during COVID by acquiring the right planes for, for really cheap prices. So you've got to call out management and, and say that they have done a great job. But now at the moment, I think we're kind of shifting focus to looking at where the price is now, given the kind of risks ahead, would we be wanting to buy it? I'd probably be leaning on the side of no, purely because although they've given guidance of around 50 mil in profit this year, growing to around 70 mil in profit the year after, you know, we think there's probably risks around those in finance costs in underlying demand, um, potentially um, risks to, to cancellations as well. Um, so we're probably a little bit more cautious. I mean, Qantas okay. is a bit unique because it has the loyalty business. So it has this massive income stream, which is kind of separated just from the cyclicality of, of flying. Um, and we know that the next six months, they're gonna be, be doing well. So if you wanna hold, hold it for the next six months, I think that's an absolutely fine decision. But over the long term, will this company continue to outperform in its sector? Look, we'd probably be thinking no. And if we were wanting exposure to travel, we'd much rather do it in, in probably one of the, the travel providers or in arguably one of the tech exposed companies because you can generate higher returns there. Okay. So we'd be probably just calling it a, a comfortable hold for the next right. six months or so. Okay. <laughs> All right. Adam? Yeah, well, I definitely agree. You definitely hold it. I thought Qantas had taken had made a takeover bid for AQZ as well, Z as well. Um, the ACCC was going to do a final, final. determination yes. on that. Yeah. I thought it was the 20th of March, as in just three oh. or four days ago. Right. I haven't read anything. Uh, yeah, they, they put it, a price they? in at 475 So right. obviously the market doesn't believe that it's going to go through That's because right. where the share price is trading at the moment. Um, so, look, you definitely hold it because obviously, and I, I'm not up to speed on what the ACCC has said, so there'll be some personal viewer that will let us know what's going on. But, um, yeah, there's certainly an upside or a catalyst to that if the if the ACCC does say yes for that $4.75 delivery uh, of that share price. But certainly fleet expansion is certainly a material increase to earnings, and that's exactly what they're doing. Plus, also, they're a market leader in that FIFO charter market area, which Qantas doesn't want to get involved too much into that space. You've got Rex, you've got some of these other ones as well. I suspect the ACCC will probably say no to the takeover because of a lessening of competition. But um, overall, balance sheet does look a little bit stretched at the moment, so you've got to be a little bit careful. And earnings leverage um, is certainly to the mining side of things and we know that that's a cyclical side of business and we are sort of looking at the slowing end or the second half of this year slowing down on the mining side as well so yeah you need to be a little bit careful uh with this one but i definitely hold on to it because obviously there's some yeah. interest there and some activity and um if the ACCC does give this the green light then certainly um if you your Qantas might take this over so there's some price uplift on that one as well yeah, yeah. so watch and wait on that one yeah yeah no uh just checking the news yeah so nothing nothing, nothing as there. yet i thought it was the 20th yeah. so Daniel? It's been delayed. The ACCC um, delayed their decision and pushed it out a few months, but I think right. maybe even to the end of April. So there has been a delay. But I think the market consensus at the moment is that it probably won't get across the yeah. board. Yeah. And there was also some concerns on whether um, what Qantas would do with their 20% stake, depending on where that decision will be made. So if they obviously doesn't go through and they're looking to offload, it could be a bit of an overhang on the stock. Right. But you just have to wait and see really what happens. Yeah. Okay. Let's recap. The uh, the first five stock stock of the day was uh, was Block, a sell from both uh, Adam and Daniel. Uh, South 32, 
um, a hold from uh, Daniel, a buy from uh, from Adam, uh, ASX a hold from both. Um, Dominoes. Uh, Daniel has, if you're in it for the long term, um, then then hold it. Wouldn't put any new money in. Uh, Adam has put new money into <laughs> Dominoes at these levels uh, through his own super fund as well. He's declared so. Yeah. That is conviction for you. Uh, Transurb and a hold uh, from Adam, a no from Daniel, and Alliance, a hold from both. Here at the call, we've been tracking our own high conviction uh, fantasy fund as picked by our investment committee. And you can see that committee meeting, the last one, the March meeting, on the platform now. And at that meeting, they got out of Seven Group and Janison Education. They trimmed their mineral resources holding and they added MA Financial and Austel to the portfolio. And since the 1st of March last year, uh, the fund is up almost 7%. Uh, keep sending in your request for the call though, because that's the first filter to get to the investment committee. Any stock that gets uh, a buy from uh, both the experts on the panel gets recommended up to the committee. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while. And although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second to none trading tools. Plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or Information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Uh, this half hour, we're going to kick off with a bit of a uh, logistics bent with Lindsay Australia and Cube Holdings, uh, then AI Media, Service Stream, and Reese. Um, Adam, Lindsay, yeah. Lindsay uh, Ali wants a view on Lindsay Australia, a uh, transport logistics uh, mainly for the uh, regional parts of Australia. Correct. Um, Solpats has a big stake in it. Yeah, I, I think. Gather yeah, as I well. think they do, as well as um, look the stock. If we pull the chart up, the stock is actually just hitting a dollar right. uh, today, and um, oh, back to ninety four. But yeah, hit a dollar yesterday, and suddenly uh, coming back. This one's a really interesting one. I, I sort of we know a little bit about this as far as that there's a very large broker inside uh, Shores that has been buying this one and uh, getting a lot of institutional clients uh, into it. So. It does look interesting from a longer term view, like it's done nothing at, for many, I many, know, many, look at many that years. Chart. And then there's just been this sort of re, uh, a resurgence of it uh, going forward. Gee, your mate Inside Shores doing a good he's, marketing he's job, isn't he? Very good. <laughs> I should have at 73 when he was starting to really push it. Right. I should have done something about it. But anyway. Um, the, the, has, he, has he over-egged it? No, I think, he, no, I think, um, Stocks will always do some work around big levels, a dollar, right. 10 cents, a dollar, 50 cents. It'll always do some work and it'll always potentially pull back and try and hit it again. And a right. dollar for this stock is a big level for yeah. it to get through. As you can see from that chart, it did nothing for years. So yeah, it's, it's probably getting some technical selling in there at the moment. Right. But overall, they reported a really strong result, uh, um, uh, materially exceeded a lot of forecasts going forward. And I think they've been out, Lindsay, and also uh, Kim Lindsay's announced his retirement in there. So we've got to be a little bit careful about changing of the guard in this one. 
For me, it's a hold. I think anything around 73 cents, 78, 80 cents, you'd probably want to have a look at this again because I think it will retest that dollar mark again. Right. So if it does pull back. But transport revenue was really, really good. Earnings were really good as well. Um, I'd be interested to hear Daniel's view, whether it's a star income stock or a star growth stock, because it probably doesn't offer, oh, it offers a little bit of yield there. But I think overall, the logistics side of things right. is going to do well because we are geographically so huge. And I think they were looking to take over the refrigeration business that went bust. Uh, Scott's. Yeah, yeah, for the Woolies. Yes. Yeah. And that's just northern Queensland and they like that regional stuff. So okay. I, I think, yeah, it's, it's so good. So if you've run up, would you be banking some? Yeah, I, yeah. Take yeah, some profits? Yeah, yesterday you would have definitely taken a dollar right. and then wait at 78, 73, something right. like that to come okay. back down again. So it looks like it's coming back a little bit at the moment, but I'd definitely be taking profits. But have a buy in there around that 73, 80, okay. 80 level, somewhere around in there. Geez, Daniel has had a stellar run, hasn't it? Yeah, and I'm, I'm assuming some of that run's got to do with its illiquidity and, yes. and that strong buying Definitely. by Shaw, so that yes. would have been pushing that price up. <laughs> um, yep. But this is, a, this is a really interesting business, a fascinating little business. It's probably a bit too small for us to get interested in and invested in, so we've never really taken a deep look into it, but I, I was chipping through their recent report and, and I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, they do focus more on the rural um, areas and like uh, Adam said, they have a pretty strong presence in in refrigeration, obviously, as they work with a lot of agricultural providers and companies. Um, and they're doing a really great job. They're, they have noted that they're looking to expand pretty significantly. They have around, I think, 10, 15 mil of bank debt on the balance sheet, which is very, very um, capable for them to manage. And I'm, sh I'm sure they can increase that significantly, but they, they have um, called out that they want to be acquiring businesses and, and expanding their network. So the thing I'm a little bit concerned about at the moment is how cyclical is the, this area of transportation and logistics? Because we know other providers like for example, CTI and WA have been doing really, really well as well. Um, and we're just a little bit cautious on kind of how this industry really plays out because realistically the last few years we did have a massive boom in just transportation in general um, and logistics in general, especially with the rise of e-commerce. Now they're not as exposed to that, but that certainly does play a role in, in terms of supply chain management. And we know that in the US, a lot of these companies have come back really significantly um, in transportation. So that's the only thing I'm concerned of. I know from my own experience, I've seen businesses go from making one mil in profit to over 10, 20 mil, you know, just purely because of changing in cycle in transportation yep. Yep. Um, uh, and the profitability that comes through through three um, third party logistics. So it's very, very difficult to analyze what normal looks like. And for that reason, I'd just be a little bit skeptical. Um, but probably one of the better management teams. Like Adam said, you've got to be aware of that transition. Um, but they've done a great job and culture in this business seems to be really strong, um, similar to CTI, which I called out in WA. So two businesses I'd definitely be adding to the watch list. But at the moment, I'd be a little bit more coy. I'd just be probably holding the stock right. if I did hold it. And I'd just be looking to see how this develops. Okay. All right. Uh, would you, If you had it run up, would you bank some profits? Yeah, definitely be looking to sell, especially yeah. because in these liquid stocks, when you have periods of high trading volumes, that's probably realistically okay. when you want to either get right. in or get out. Yeah. Um, because you don't want to be stuck in the situation where you're the largest seller on the market and kind of yeah. beholden to what's going on with the activity. So I'd be looking to, to offload some okay. and, and take some profits when, when the market gives you that opportunity. 
next stock, uh, Robin wants a view, Daniel, on Cube, um, another sort of transport logistics business, the old Patrick Stevedoring. Uh, they've got road, rail transport, they own container parks, uh, warehousing, stevedores, tugs, the whole lot, um, own big container terminal in, uh, in Sydney. What do you think of Cube? Look, I've got to say, infrastructure businesses as an analyst are probably some of the hardest to cover. So we've got a few of them today and, yeah. and we're really trying to work for our money here. But Cube, I think, is a, is probably a little bit underrated. And the reason why is because they've been doing so much activity in terms of M&A, um, reinvestment in their network, etc., that the free cash flow profile hasn't really looked very good at all in the last few years. And it all depends on when that investment period ends, because once that ends, some analysts are calling out FY24 that will wind down significantly. I think you're going to get a massive run up in cash coming back to the business, which can then be probably, you know, should be returned to shareholders. So I think that's what we're looking for if we're looking for an opportunity to buy the stock. But just to go over a little bit what it does, and, and they had an upgrade in the first half, and I probably should call out why. The two reasons why I saw was, one, they've had increased activity in WA with bulk transportation, obviously due to the mining boom that's right. going on right there at the moment. And secondly, they want to be contract with Blue Scope Steel um, for transportation of their products in New South Wales. So those two came in and added, you know, I think, caused a, a 20 or 30% growth year on year um, in, in EBITDA there. In the second half, that's going to come down drastically. So you're not going to have right. those benefits flowing through again. So investors definitely have to tune down their expectations of the second half. But management commentary was still positive. So I think at the moment, I'd probably be sitting on the fence here. And if I was looking to buy the stock, like I said, I'd want to really understand when that free cash flow profile will change, because that's typically the, the indicator for people um, institutions to start getting really interested in these stocks. Right. Okay. So hold for you on it. <clears throat> hold. I think it will okay. be pretty defensive, and in this environment, you mm. know, you, you rather something a little bit more defensive to yep. the downside as well. Adam. Yeah, I thought that they absolutely beat expectations on their result in February. So, like, I think it was a, a fantastic uh, result for those guys, um, and. Cube continues to be favourable in that position. They have only got a 23% gearing, which is well below what they usually have a 30 to 40%. Yep. So they're actually able to sort of giving that uh, that non-organic or getting that organic growth going forward. Logistics uh, definitely took the lead. It was up 32% year on year. And bulks and port was also up 9% ahead of expectations. So great result mm. for a very boring company. Yeah. Every time I see this company, <laughs> sort of yeah, the snooze. I have to wake myself up a little bit sometimes because it is a little bit, uh, you know, it's, it's a good business. So uh, yeah, but it, it's just a little bit boring. And sometimes boring is boring good. Boring is good, yeah. You don't want surprises. That's right. So it was a solid beat, but yeah, it, the, the, the key things for for me is looking at uh, uh, recovering some of some of those costs, but also labor shortage. I think they're really struggling to sort of uh, get those labor shortage or the impact of that labor shortage via the ports and congestion is is really sort of weighing down on the business as well. So I, I'm going to go with Daniel. It's definitely a hold for me as right. well. I think um, overall really hasn't done much over the years. But it is uh, a business that could continue to go well. And certainly if they do get some of those growth 
uh, capital expenditure things right, it should do well. So yeah, right. stay with the business. Okay. okay. Uh, All right. I might bump in here, guys. Sorry, yeah, I just Daniel? wanted to call out two things quickly. I think um, if you're looking in terms of market exposure, there's also Horizon out there. Yep. This is a very different business to Horizon. So it's not as linked to coal transportation and, and energy no. as well. So if, if investors are thinking which kind of infrastructure stocks would I potentially like to own, I'd be selling Horizon and buying Cube for sure. Okay, cycling out of it. That's okay. a good thought. Yep. Um, Adam, Kent wants a view on AI media. Oh, anything with AI in it must be good. Uh, well, this is a different sort of uh, uh, business because they do uh, captioning uh, for live and recorded broadcasts. They do subtitles, uh, translations, speech analytics, uh, not only here, but basically uh, around the world. Interesting. Yeah, very but, interesting. But, but that technology is changing all the time and being... Yeah, and, and where's the moat, I guess, yep. is what you'd be asking for this one, is yeah. is how can they protect their patch? Uh, look, there's certainly... Um, uh, it is a global business. You can see by the chart, certainly um, the market hasn't really gotten behind it at no. the moment. But it is a global business and they do have some very large customers that they're bringing through going forward. Um, valuation, I think, is probably a little bit stretched and the liquidity in the business is very, very low. So right. you've got to be a little bit careful there. But um, they do have a, a, that global market, which I said. So that speech-to-text segment uh, is forecast to be around about $11 billion uh, in, increasing, uh, uh, going higher in 2023, four and five. Right. So it is in the growth area of the side of things. But certainly the key risk for us is competition risk. I think you've got to yep. definitely be careful about that. Data protection and privacy risk. Again, you've got to be really careful with that. And recruitment and crowdsourcing risk. I mean, they're, they're sort of struggling to find these technicians to do this going forward. And obviously, because they do hold a lot of uh, contracts overseas, have another currency risk on it as well. Right. This one I hadn't really looked at until yesterday when we got the list of shares. So I'm going to have a little bit more of a look into this one. It does seem interesting. But it, it is making revenue, so that is the one thing, but it is not profitable. And right. I think a lot of these tech stocks or these tech businesses at the moment have been put into this bucket of, if you're not making money, we don't want to even talk to right. you at the moment. Yep. So your wise techs doing fantastic because you're doing these making earnings money. upgrades, yep. but then you've got all these other businesses that are actually pretty good businesses, but are still making revenue, but not turning a profit. Right. So if they can turn that profit, and it was very close to turning a profit this year, I think it will get re-rated and potentially people will look mm. at it. But I'd just be a little bit cautious. I think it's a hold. I think it's a hold. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to say if you got it, hold on to it because at right. 35 cents, you know, you can't sort of go too far. You've been through the pain. Be been through the pain. But um, I'm going to do some more work on this one. It does look interesting. If it can turn a profit, yeah. I think it would be a good one. Uh, Daniel, what do you think of AI? Adam makes a point with these sorts of stocks. You do need a moat, and sort of, I've got my own. Google Translate at the moment, yeah. my iPhone does all this sort of stuff. Uh, that's the hard bit, is it? Yeah, I, I was really surprised when I opened up this this presentation for the half year because they really didn't explain how the technology works, what devices they sell, because they do call out hardware sales in their report. They really didn't explain anything. Um, they just kind of called out who their customers are. but. That's also very ominous as well because you don't really know what the customer relationship is like. You don't know what the service they're offering is. There's so many businesses in this space. You know, you'd call out Straker Translations, Microsoft's in this space, IBM's in this space. So I just thought it was extremely difficult to decipher what they actually do. I mean, 
it's very broad captioning transcription and translation and we can get a lot of that in in a, a lot of products at the moment mm. so I just I was just really confused by it some of the red flags I mean they recently changed their name to AI media obviously to to cape onto that <laughs> thematic um, and for some reason they had a photo of Satya, um, Satya Nadella in the presentation um, just out of the blue but they didn't have any explanation on how their products really work so okay. it's probably one I'd be putting in the sin bin um, in right. terms of their financials they have 28 million revenue not able to make a profit um, there was no revenue growth and it was kind of seems a little bit obscure. They left a lot of the key operating segment details out saying, oh, I'll be included in the director's report. Well, you know, I think investors would like to get that information. So, yeah, I'm, I'm probably putting this one in the sin bin. If, if I held shares, I'd probably just get rid of it. Um, and until I can find out what they do, what they actually sell and what the business model is, you know, I, I can't be investing yeah. in a stock like this. So I, I'd, I'd be very far away from it. Okay. All right, Daniel, Kerry wants a view on, on service stream. The, <clears throat> I suppose they're a, a telecommunication service provider, aren't they, in, in infrastructure? Mm. Yeah, certainly. And they used to be because they used to be more exposed to that MBN contract. Yeah. Obviously, that was winding down. And then they made the acquisition of Lendlease's service business to kind of try and revamp their business. The thing is, the, the most attractive part of the business is the exposure to the telecoms um, maintenance work and, and in infrastructure services. It's higher margin, typically more maintenance, so it's more recurring. And we've got the 5G rollout at the moment, um, which is probably going to be a growth area to come. But they also have this, you know, pretty cruddy area in, in utilities and I think infrastructure as well that looks pretty poor. They had some margin erosion. So I don't really see what the appeal is at the moment because that telecoms, which is attractive, is, you know, now because of that acquisition, actually a smaller part of the business. So, you know, I, I think I'd probably be looking elsewhere. I think yeah. Venture had a pretty good result and they have, they're the number one in telecoms um, infrastructure work in Australia. And they're probably likely to get a lot more of the lucrative contracts, the bigger work. And it's very important that you need the balance sheet to fund the working capital in this industry. So you want to be in the larger providers because they're able to finance mm. it. They're able to um, get the work done and then continue that that tendering process and cycle. So I think service stream is okay. far too small. Look, there's a lot of small cap investors saying, oh, this is, you know, cheap on a valuation basis. But, you know, I don't think I don't think that cash conversion is going to come through that people are expecting. And I think you're probably going to going to get, um, you know, a poor yeah. report in the next few next few years as well. So okay. I, I'd much rather have my capital and venture at the moment. Something that, yeah, it's an interesting point that you need the balance sheet strength there to, to get ahead. Yeah. Adam, yeah. what do you think of Service Trade? Well, talking about balance sheet, they've got net debt of 91 million at the moment. They've got a bank <laughs> guarantee of another 135 million and syndicated right. finance as well. So they can access, I mean, obviously bank finance versus syndicated finance. Right. You don't want to be touching syndicated finance. But overall, look, the debt, yeah, for me, the problem is with this business is labour. I think resourcing you certainly remains a challenge for this business, as well as then getting those third party suppliers that they have as well uh, going forward. But inflation, rising labour, fuel and material cost pressure is impacting on their margins. So I'm going to say you don't need to be there. It's yep. a sell. Get away okay. from it. All right. Final stock. Uh, let's um, check the plumbing. Um, Charlotte wants a view on Reese, the, uh, the massive plumbing, bathroom, heating, air conditioning product group, uh, uh, Australia, New Zealand, and uh, also they're tackling the US at the moment. They bought a, a similar sort of company yeah. over there, Adam, didn't yeah. they? 
Yeah, um, this one is a tough one because you'd think that if people aren't going to sell their house, uh, potentially they would then uh, look to renovate and yep. this would be perfect yep. for that going forward. But certainly the market share in Australia and New Zealand is underpinning a strong sort of pricing power that they do have. And they've also benefited from pass-through of cost inflation in through the US as well. Uh, but volumes have deteriorated in second half or will have they've warned that second half 2023 volumes will will slow down especially in, in australia and new zealand and working capital continues to drag on cash their operating cash flow was 38 percent below consensus so right. it's struggling a little bit here i think you know overall i think it's a good business we all know reese products we mm. all understand what they do but it's it's going to be about that U.S. expansion and how they're going to drive that going forward. Um, is it a, a winner in inflation? It probably, yeah, if they can raise their prices, which they haven't been able to do, they've been able to raise their prices. So I think they're, I'm on the fence on this one. Okay. I, I don't know. Looking at the share price, it looks okay. You know, it's come back down. It looks all right. But they are guiding to a softer second half as well. But then you've got all this stuff with Renaults and things like that. So I'm I'm sort of I'm going to say it's a hold because I'm going to sit on okay. the fence. All right. I, I'm not no conviction or buy or sell on this one. <laughs> uh, Daniel, what do you reckon? Recent what six hundred locations for Australia, big in Australia, made that bigger yeah. acquisition in the US. Yeah, look, I think it's worth spending a little bit of time on this one because it had a really interesting report and I think the dynamics for this stock are really interesting at the moment. So pre-2018, they were able to generate return on equity well over 25%. So it's a fantastic business, we know that. The dynamics in the plumbing market is that the parts um, and what essentially they sell is less important than the labour itself. So the tradies and the plumbers need that supply and the most reliable place they're going to get is from Re. So they're happy to spend a little bit more to have that security of supply and, and ease of access. So that's why they have such a dominant market position in Australia. This US acquisition is really interesting. They've already grown it from, I think it was 171 stores in 2018 to 212 now. So they're growing stores around 10% per annum, which can kind of offset some of that volume compression due to kind of the global um, economic environment that's going on at the moment, slowing housing growth. But they're repositioning the old Morse code business from new construction more to repair and remodeling, which is a tactic we know is very, very strong in the US. You know, we've seen James Hardy do it, which their results were fantastic until the recent one. Um, We've seen other competitors edge more to the repair and remodeling market, which is much more attractive. And that US market is 10 times the size of Australia. So they can, you know, potentially have thousands of stores there. They're very early on in the rollout story. So I think this is really, really interesting. And in the report, we saw the movement in inventory um, come down because they had a massive working cap build up at the last report. Cash conversion was a lot stronger and margins improved. I mean, you've, you've had this environment where everyone's showing crunching margins and, and yeah. re- improved margins. So it's showing you the pricing power, um, but volumes that they stated did fall by about 6% in the US. So I think they're going to be able to, to continue to grow because they have such a large rollout, um, rollout okay. proposition when consensus has it relatively flat earnings potentially coming back. And we know that from CEO's comments, price increases are going through. And when they see price decreases across the market, they're going to be really slow to react to that. So I actually think they'll probably beat consensus expectations um, Mm. over FY24 and potentially FY25. But you're paying for that in the stock now at the moment, 30 times earnings. So it's a long spiel for me, but I'm sitting on the fence too with a hold. <laughs> oh, Daniel! I thought you were going to. Oh, I go. thought you were going to say this 
is a little gem we've uncovered. It's the table thumper. (laughs) It's got to be the table thumper for the show. (laughs) Just on valuation grounds, it's it's a pretty penny to pay. It's a pretty penny. And you've got James Hardy at at a lower multiple, and they have just as fantastic of a business. So I'm probably more interested in that at the moment. Okay, but but if there's a big pullback in the market, sort of stocks like this... Mm. Are the ones that you you go? Oh, are these the ones that you take advantage yeah. of? Yeah. Well, to my original comments of if if the if we do see this recession and we do see the recovery, building material stocks yeah. are really the first okay. ones to actually start moving. Yeah. And Reese is definitely in that space. Yeah. But yeah. I, I agree with Daniel. James Hardy for me is the number one pick yeah. in that space. So add it to your little list to watch. I I have a little. <laughs> Little list for whenever the pullback occurs, or we go into a, yep. into another crash. Uh, maybe it's one to have on that list. Uh, Daniel, uh, thank you so much for joining us. From oh, Stock great Doctor. to be here. Two titans of the industry. So it's very, very uh, a pleasure for me to be oh, here. Good on you, mate. Always great to have you aboard. Uh, Adam Dawes from Shore Partners. Always good to yes, see you, mate. Have absolutely. a great weekend. Yes, Let's just uh, recap uh, the final five stocks. Uh, Lindsay hold, um, Lindsay Australia hold from both Daniel and Adam, but take some profits. It's had a wonderful run up, so you might as well bank some on the back of that, and you've got some reasonable liquidity. Uh, Cube Holdings a hold from both. AI Media a sell from Daniel, a hold from uh, Adam. Service Stream a sell from Adam, uh, a no from Daniel, and Reese a hold from both. Look, if you've got any stocks you want me to put to our expert panel, chuck them in an email the call at ausbiz.com today or tweet us using the at TV handle. Stick around. Carl Capolinga, the king of the charts from Think Markets, is coming up next with his weekly macro, micro and crypto news. See you Monday for another edition of The Call. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.